and real estate is like chess. You have to think three moves down the board. You know, you have, you have to understand if something happens here, it's going to affect two, two moves down. And what are those two moves? And a lot of that, Jeff, you and I just, it happens because we're experienced. All right, what's going on, BE3 Nation? We've got a really fun Happy Agent podcast for you today. And first of all, we've got myself, Jeff Beggins. We're sitting here with a couple other co-hosts. Craig Beggins over here. Mike Puma. And our special guest today is actually really special, and he brings such a cool, diverse background and lens to this industry. We're really excited to have you with us today, Mr. Joe Diener. Thank you, sir. I'm glad, happy to be here. Very good. So, Joe... From your perspective, I'd like to hear, just do a quick little background, a little intro, kind of um, who you are, what you were doing before real estate, how you got into real estate, just kind of how we are today, where we are from your, from your perspective. Then we'll hit you with a couple questions from there. Okay. So uh, the first thing I did out of college was I was a teacher for two years and realized there was no way I could possibly support my family on $6,300 a year. So I got into sales in 1979. And uh, went with a Fortune 500 company. I was with them for 22 years in sales management. I was a product manager. And uh, then the company I was with, More Business Forms, was just starting to, you know, their, their product line was being eaten up by technology. You know, we, they, we used to pre-print every form. Well, now all of a sudden, the laser printer printed the form and variable information at the same time. So it was gone away. A friend of mine was in real estate, said, you know, why don't you get into real estate? And you, you bought homes, you sold homes, you built homes, you know what you're doing. So I hemmed and hauled, and then I said, well, okay, um, let me get my license. He goes, just come work for me for the weekend and help me. It's, it was, you know, 03. It was crazy time. So I went working for him part-time. And in two months, I was making more than I was at my full-time job and said, okay, I can do this. State was this in? What state was this in? It was this in Maryland. Okay. In Maryland. So um, jumped, jumped into real estate full-time, quit my full-time job. They were like, you can't do this. You've been doing, you, you got a pension and you're 22 years. And I'm like, you're going to be taken over in a, in a few months because you just don't know what you're doing. And a year later they were bought out by somebody else. So a lot of the people lost their jobs. So I just made the right decision at the right time and got out. Um, so I sold in Maryland for five years and my daughter moved down here and I was visiting her and said, you know what, I can sell a home in Florida and I don't need a snowblower to do it. So I moved down here. And it was a rough move. It was 07, end of 07, when the market was crashing. There wasn't, I had no sphere of influence. I did a lot of open houses and I did a, open houses on foreclosed, on REO properties um, because we did a lot of REOs at Cobble Banker at the time. So I did them and managed to survive. And look, I had some money in the bank. You know, the rule is always pay yourself first. And, um, and did okay, and then started in Relo, and have built a sphere since then. Uh, you know, now it's going on. You know, total of seventeen, 
years um, total real estate. And as I still have, I had a client come down here from Maryland and sold him a house here. My hey, past client. Hey, Joe. Right. Mm-hmm. Joe, before we go yes. too far, I, I want to sure. back up real quick because there's a lot of sure. agents that haven't, didn't, weren't agents in 07, 08, right? And so yeah. they're scared now because this is the first real blip in the radar that many of them have experienced since getting into real estate. Most of them got in and ever since they've gotten in, it's been, you know, this upward trajectory. Everyone's happy. There's always people buying. Now there's some fear in the marketplace. I think, you know, you can talk to how productive you've been since this has all started, but I, I think I'd, they would like to get your perspective as someone who did go through 0708 as an agent. Yeah. How does that compare to what you're experiencing now? Um, the fundamental difference in the 07 to now is that it was a financial crash. It, it, we were lending money to people who barely had a pulse and they had no credit scores. I mean, uh, they were doing many, many, uh, two, two mortgage loans. One was a regular loan. One was a HELOC. The HELOC was tied to the interest rates. Uh, to the prime rate. So as soon as that started going through the roof in 06, the Fed started raising that that quite rapidly. All those people went from a from a second mortgage bill of 90 bucks to 400. Now you just couldn't afford it. And that and that just spiraled. So the the difference now is we don't we don't while we have unemployment that's high right now, 90% of the workforce is working. You know, I mean, that hasn't stopped. Um, Lenders have tightened up a little bit on lending when you come to stuff, but it's nothing like 07 and 08. I mean, I mean, people, people couldn't borrow. There, There was no money to borrow to buy. That's not the problem. Now the problem is, is just, we need more inventory to sell. That's really our you know. So, so at the agent level, though, you 07 hits. You mentioned you're doing bank-owned open houses. Yep. You're you're mm-hmm. trying to do everything you can. So at that point, did your business basically come to a halt? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it, I mean, I knew it was going. I mean, I prepared for it because I moved down here, so I knew there'd be a a momentum, but I wasn't prepared for a momentum of nothing. <laughs> To, you know, to, to uh, you know, it, it was sort of like someone putting on the brakes. And that just wasn't happening here. It was happening up north. So the, the result would have been the same regardless of where, where I was sitting at the time. The whole country was in that. So well, it makes me think, Joe, for a second. Mm-hmm. You picked probably the absolute worst time to get into real estate in a new state. You moved here, no sphere of influence, no past client database, and a market crash. And yeah. Craig, I only knew how to get from my apartment to the office. That's all I knew of Tampa. Right. But you were resourceful enough to find REO properties and hold open houses yep. to at least throw your hook in the water so you could catch something. I did right. that. I went, went, I went every Wednesday. I went to the South Tampa Brokers Open so I could get to know the area, so I could get to know the other agents. Because I wanted the other agents to know me when I put in an offer. They knew who I was because... You know, South Tampa is a small neighborhood. So, um, and that was helpful. Um, I, 
I had a friend who worked at Cobalt Banker who, who helped me through that. That's kind of why I went there to begin with. So I wouldn't be a total, totally lost. <laughs> but it, the whole year was a learning curve because I, you know, so, someone wanted to go to Fishhawk and I put them on hold. I said, does anybody know where Fishhawk is? Because I never <laughs> heard of it. <laughs> So, you, know, you know what I think? And by is, the way, half the people in South Tampa didn't know where it was either because they didn't go way, that's way out there. <laughs> so, you know, I, the one thing Relo did for me though was got me to learn the area very well. If I knew a, a client was coming in a week from now looking at Fishhawk, I went out and I canvassed Fishhawk. I, I made some appointments. I went to look at, get to know the neighborhoods. I was, you know, you, you just have to, I guess the term is learn your craft, learn what you're doing um, and, and, you know, learn about the schools and read up on them, you know, how they're graded and all that. It was a lot of work the first year. A lot of yeah, work. You to learn a whole new market. Let me jump into that because I think there's a couple little tidbits in there that I want to call out. Number one, we talk about 07, like yeah, I was 07, but when you're in the middle of 07, you don't know when it's going to end, right? No. You don't know that it was only going to be another year or two, right? You're mm-hmm. sitting there going, I am stuck. I am in a situation and I have to tread water and learn. And you've got nothing going for you, really, truly, at, at that point in time at this. So you, you were resourceful and, and did it. What I love about this is because you were smart because you were a reload person yourself. And you came here yeah. not knowing anything about the marketplace. So talk about connecting with somebody who's coming here and doesn't know the marketplace. You're, you're better off than somebody who was born and raised here because you know exactly the questions that are, that are in their head. You know their fears. You know the doubts. You know the anxieties. You know the confusion of where the hell is Fishhawk versus Lakeland versus Lakewood Ranch versus Tampa and Dunedin and Tre- Treasure Island and Davis Island. And it's like all in this big muddy little pool that you had to figure out for yourself. So it was so fresh in you. I think you related very well with those people too. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I part of the thing is, I'm sorry. Let me just call this out because as a company for a long time, we've been teaching get listings, get listings, get listings. But I want people to know that there is another world out there and working with buyers is a great way to get market knowledge. All right. And I, I do want to co- talk on this because, you know, there's a lot of, bad things about relocation business because you got to pay a heavy referral fee to get it. But I'd like you to kind of comment on that because it gave you opportunities that you would have otherwise had. And those opportunities now you, you mentioned before we started this video that you've got 400 past clients now yeah. in the Tampa Bay market. Yeah. That is a wealth and you're, you're dealing with children of, of customers now. Yes. So you pay a little, I think Jeff called it a big upfront, but you acquired a customer that you then service right. long-term and you've got a data. And, 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 it, and it also goes to, hey, my brother's looking for a house. My, mother, my mother's moving down to Florida to be near us. Can you help her? I mean, the key, though, is, is keeping a contact with all those people. Right. And, and that is a religion. I, uh, Jeff and I have talked about it a number of times, kidding how many touch points do you give? I call it touch points. How many times a year do you touch them? And how do you touch them? And you have to do it in multiple different ways, not the same way. Some are by text, some are by mail, some are by, 
you know, something coming in the mail is a get, uh, some, some different way of doing it. Uh, email is, are you sending a, you know, is it, it, are they connected into your, into your Facebook business, Facebook and, and that. So, you know, I do, I do the custom magazines myself to all my past clients. And I'm going to say probably five of my listings last year was, was a result of that, of that book that I pay roughly $200 a month. So it's kind of like you earn your stripes with buyers and then those buyers become your listings. And now you've got a steady stream of listings constantly coming in. Exactly. Exactly. Because the nice thing about Relo is they're probably only going to be here three to five years and they might move. I just, I'm always disappointed when the people retire here because then I have to haunt them for their children's stuff. (laughs) But Craig, I think you just brought up an, an interesting point that I think a lot of agents don't really um, think about when you sell somebody a house, right? You're not just selling that, that person a house, right? You're, you're creeping into their mind, right? And their brain, if you do a good job and Joe, your testimonies are amazing, right? And you're doing 15, $16 million plus a year in business. So, I mean, you've got a lot of business going on. And, um, but what, what agents I think sometimes forget is this isn't just somebody who bought a house. This is somebody who has a network of several hundred people of their own, right? And you're, I guess you'll probably get their business again in three to five years. But what's more important to that is the, the tribe that they have, right? The people they work with, the people in their neighborhood, the people that they do their drag cleaning, the people that they become their friends, their social network, all of the stuff that, that you now become the realtor, right? There's only room. We always talk about this. There's only room for one person in this filing cabinet, right? Somebody probably has an accountant. Somebody probably has, a, has an attorney that they trust. You have a doctor and then you have a realtor, right? That you trust for real estate advice. So what I think you've done amazingly well is you've creeped into that mind of several hundred people now that all have several hundred people into their tribe. So when they're at a cocktail party or a kid's birthday party and somebody mentions real estate, because of your touch points, you're the first person that pops into their mind and say, you got to call Joe Deere, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and th- that's why you would say, what do you say the lifetime value of a customer is? What would you think it is? Uh, if I can make it about $30,000, maybe more. I mean, I mean, I just, I just got a call from somebody yesterday. Hey, uh, you did their house and we're thinking about moving to Florida. Can we come down? We're looking for a half a million dollar house. I don't, I don't know how you put a value to it. I've never, I, that would be a really good project for me to do when I retire, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Century <laughs> 21 came up with a number. They say the value of a customer is $130,000 over the lifetime. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you keep in contact, I mean, I bought my own myself and, you know, cause I was transferred myself with the company I was with. I have probably bought five houses, not including this one. And I couldn't, re- I don't remember the real estate agent's name who helped me with any of those houses. Cause they never contacted me after they sold me my house. Never, never got a card in the mail, nothing. And so, you know, what, what's wrong with that? I mean, why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> so, um, you know, how hard is it to send a darn calendar out even at Christmas time? <laughs> I mean, well, here's a question for you. How did you address all these past clients during the COVID-19 pandemic since we've been quarantined and stay safe at home? So what I did was really funny. I, um, 
I ordered calendars for this year and I stuck a note in them and I said, I hope everything is fine and safe and you're spending time with your family and, and, and attached in, into a calendar. I mean, it was just something, it, it's kind of quirky, but it was like, you know. But you did reach out to all of them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone got something in the mail. And we were talking about the other day, at, you know, during our business or their meeting is people are home. They're, they're there. They're reading their mail. <laughs> Send them some mail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, they're going to read it because they're, they're there. And, um, you know, but, but Jeff, back to one of your questions is also thinking outside the the point you know we all try to do something like everybody else and sometimes you just have to massage it a little bit way, a different way like when i follow up with them on the phone or you know, past client on the phone how you doing how's it going um you know are you liking it here um when i hear they say yeah we're not going to move again we're staying here that's really disappointing but <laughs> but you know it you have to reach out <laughs> You have well, to reach out. Change your mindset that we're going to stay there for a while and sell an investment property. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, that's that's the next. That's I'm I'm in the process of doing a couple of those right now. So with all yeah. the equity they bought because they took your advice and bought back then. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Love that. What I like is if you think about the touch points that that Joe's just talking about, he doesn't have to sell him. Right. That's already done for him. They like him. They trust him, and they know he's good at what he does. It's not like your doctor needs to call you and say, "Hey, Craig." Just to let you know, I performed a lot of really good checkups on clients this year, and I hope one day you'll consider coming back. Yeah, they don't do that, right? Because they already have that trust. They they own that position in your mind, and when you have an issue, you know who you're going to call. So that's that's what I think. It's it's just being top of mind, saying I hope you're well with your name is enough because your name means real estate. But that to those who are starting out that don't have the luxury of several hundred past clients, right? The, you've got to pretend. I mean. Your background, you've got an MBA, you've got the business background, you've got 20-something years in, in a real job, right? We'll say right. with a sales career business that, that required prospecting, follow-up, mm -hmm. right? Accountability and reporting, and it became a job within a day in and day out, right? You just got used to that habit. So to you, I love listening. It's how in the world did the people that sold me my largest financial transaction, five of them, never even follow up to say hi or send me a thank you card. Right? right? How in the world is that even possible? Because this is not normally treated like a business, right? Mm -hmm. And so people like you who come in with a business mind or those who are watching that haven't been in business, just use some logic, common sense and say, look, just say something and, and stay in touch and make sure they're having a good experience. If they're not having a good experience, help them have a good experience. And right? I'm, I'm sure you've helped people with an AC guy, find a fence guy, figure out a handyman mm -hmm. and a roofer years down the road after you sell them a house because they're, they're there for you. It's a plan though. Right. And I think that's the biggest difference. If you really get to the bottom of it, Joe came in with a plan and, and I talk to agents about this a lot because I don't care whatever your top level of your business funnel is going to be for Joe. It was, it was using Relo right as mm -hmm. a top level to get the customer in the door, Catalyst. build trust, build brand. Right. Then as I, if I retarget them, right? If we look at this from an e-commerce perspective, this is the exact strategy every e-commerce business uses. Get, get customers in the top door. Some will buy, most won't. 
then re-nurture those customers by retargeting them, right? Constantly building trust, building brand until you get a large amount to convert. And that's exactly what he did. The problem is, is that most want to just focus on just the top end of that funnel. Well, that's not going to work. I don't care if it's using reload business. I don't care if it's you buying Zillow ads. I don't care if it's you running Facebook. So what I always talk to an agent about whenever they say, Hey, I'm going to go buy business. Great. That's a great marketing plan. Where's your follow-up plan? Right? Cause if you don't have one, if you don't say, Hey, I'm going to get, I'm going to go get this and I'm going to have to spend X to do it. And the way Joe did it was, you know what? I don't want to come out of pocket to do it, but I'm okay having that variable expense in the beginning right? That Mm -hmm. referral fee. Yeah, I'm going to give it up. I'm not going to make as much, but that's my marketing fee, right? That's the same. That's the same way to look at it and saying, I'm going to go spend a couple grand on Facebook ads. It's the same concept. It's just doing it in a different way. You're only paying what works. Right. And so it's variable, which is actually a little bit more attractive, but the reality is where most agents end up getting pissed off about relocation business is because the only deal they ever get is that first one. So they don't ever experience the lifetime value of the customer because they didn't go into it with a plan. They didn't go into it and say, you know what, I'm going to use this to get the customer, but then I've got my database and I'm going to nurture the hell out of that database, which is going to give me $130,000 per customer over the lifetime, which means I can make a lot of money in this business without ever having to actually spend any money out of pocket. Right. right? And that's the difference. And so I just want to make that point across that I don't care how you're going to go about getting your business whether you're brand new, whether you're going to buy it, whether you're going to do relocation business, you just have to have a plan going in, especially on the follow-up side. So it's great to have that marketing plan, but what is your follow-up plan? If you don't have one, you're host. Hey, Mike, let me, let me add into that. Cause I think it did take an interesting little twist on that one. Every business, and I'm saying business cause Joe, you've got a great business background as well. Every business has a customer acquisition cost. Yes. Right. Whether you know you do or not, you do. And so this industry, if thought about as a business, is unbelievable because you get a customer acquisition cost, right? You actually get paid, right? When you actually get a deal, that deal, yeah, you might get five, six, seven grand when you close that deal, but you really bought the future cash flow of 130,000 bucks, okay? And that's, that's the biggest misconception and screw up, I think, from an agent's perspective because the reality of it is no those five houses that you relisted, nobody should have ever got those listing other than the guy who sold you that house, right? Right. If proper follow-up, you would have used those same people again because it's the path of least resistance and you didn't really want to go search for somebody else. It would have been so much easier if John Wilson, whoever his name was, would have followed up with you and stayed in touch points for three or four times a year minimum and at least had a calendar magnet on your fridge, right? Then right. five years later, you would have said, hey, look, we, Joe owns that spot and he would have, John owns that spot, he would have had that deal. But I think that's really interesting. So what is the customer acquisition cost? From a reload perspective, right? It was a variable cost. It cost you nothing. You paid a little bit and that was your customer acquisition cost. The customer right. came to you and you paid variable and then now you have an asset that's worth 130,000 bucks. All you have to do is say hi to them every once in a while so you remain top of mind and get their kids friends, parents, when they're getting transferred out from the softball league, right? That's the beautiful thing. That's the business mind that comes into this one that I get excited about. Well, that's why Wall Street's putting so much money into our industry because we've done, a, as an industry, a pretty bad job of maintaining that, those relationships. Right. And, and 
Jeff, when you brought, you know, the customer acquisition, most companies have a customer retention fund too. How do they retain those customers that they got? And, and most real estate agents don't look at it as you have to spend to retain them. It's not free. They just don't automatically come back to you. Not every one of my past clients comes back to me because their neighbor down the street is a realtor and they're right there and they got to know them and they know them now better than they know. I mean, that happens, you know, it's, that, that's never going to not happen. But I would say retention wise of my past clients, I can keep track. I about 80% of my past clients I retain uh, as, as far as when they're ready to sell, they call me and that's pretty high. Yeah. Let's, let's, if you don't mind, Joe, let's go down that path for just a minute there. What do you do? Because you're, you're amazing at it. So give a little um, help to those who are watching. I mean, we've got agents literally watching from all around the world, uh, different countries <laughs> in this one. You truly do. It's really cool. What do you do? How do you stay top of mind? How do you touch them? Just give us a couple of examples of, of how Joe Diener does it. Well, Mike, Mike hit on a point of it, and part of it is a plan. So at the end of the year, I start my business plan for the following year. And um, we, did it, we did it in a meeting at, at the office one day, and we talked about touch points and what, are, what every month you can do, what do you touch, how do you touch it, how is it variable. Um, I know that I'm going to send out calendars, baseball cards, hockey, hockey magnets. You know, I, I know this. I know which things I'm going to do. And then on the off months, uh, you know, what do you do for Mother's Day? Are you sending out emails to your clients that are mothers? Um, you know, so you build that plan and you, and you try to build it in the sense that it makes sense that you're not, I'm not hitting the customer with the same thing every month. Uh, my magazines uh, are split into thirds. So a third of my base gets one, a magazine every quarter. So in other words, they all don't get it every month. It's split into thirds. That way it keeps the cost down. But, you know, if you, if you hit them too much, then it becomes, oh, here's something else from Joe. <laughs> Throw it out. All right. So you want them to be top of mind, but you want it to be relevant. And, um, you know, and they want to know uh, the things we're working on now uh, are Remind. That's the new, every year you come up with something different and, and Otis and I are working with Remind and how do we go back out to our past clients and uh, give them a CMA on their place and say, hey, we're just keeping in touch with you. Here's where your house is in the market. That's a really awesome tool to use um, and, and we're getting everybody to use it as well as, as, well as the old man here. So... <laughs> What's the coolest thing that you think that you've done from a touch point that got the biggest response? If you think back over the years that you actually got the text or the phone calls, like that was really cool. Thanks, Joe. I'll, I'll tell you the, the biggest um, things that I was when I started the magazines and cause they, they're really very professional magazine. They have recipe cards in and stuff and I can customize it and I can put one of my own recipes in it. And one of my own, recipes in it so i i think i put one of my chocolate cake recipes in one of them and i i mean it's silly things and most of your customers get to know you while you're out showing them 30 houses or whatever yeah. you know so so they they get comfortable with you and they pick up the phone um the the other thing which i get a lot of response to jeff is that is the um 
the, the, the cards that we get that you pay into the client care. I can never remember the name of that. Preferred client club. That's it. Thank you. Um, I mean, that is the best money spent that, you know, I'll write a quick handwritten note in it and drop my card in it. And I'll tell you, I get lots of emails back from them. Nice hearing from you. Everything's great. One time I drove by a customer's house. I saw they got their pool in and I wrote them in their in card. Hey, I, I saw you got your pool in. I bet it looks awesome. And the next day he sent me a picture of it on an email. So, I mean, it, it's, it's that little stuff. It's getting to know them and what makes them tick and that kind of stuff. I love it. I love it. Now, I notice you'll never give the recipe out for your carrot cake. Do carrot cake one. will not go. Cake. No, no. Secret, no, secret no. recipe. Joe, Joe Deemer makes the world's best carrot cake on the planet, so he's got to. But, you know, Jeff, yours and my birthday are this month, so I, I have a feeling one, one's going to be made this month for us. I look so. forward to that. I look forward to that. I think he puts crack in it. I really do. I, that's why he doesn't want to do the recipe. <laughs> so, all I think right, it's so the sugar. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk about evolution of happiness because I bet you the 2011 version is very different than the 2015 version, which is very different than the 2018 version, which is very different than the 2020 version of Beaner. How did you, how do you watch the evolution and and what, how do you define happiness as things change in your life and you evolve? So let's touch on that for a minute, how that works for you. Well, you know, you're a young parent yet, Jeff. So, you know, as, as you go through life, your life changes because your family changes, your, your, your needs change, your, you know, your, what you need out of, out of income. Uh, you know, when I moved down here, I sold a 4,500 square foot house, sold the, sold the, sold the um, snowblower, got rid of the wife, you know. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Clean house. Did you just call her a snowblower? Snowblower, <laughs> and, and and you know it's it's one of those things that you know life life just changes all the time, and you cannot be at any age and go, "This is it." You know, I'll be sixty-five this month, and every year is different. Every year has different goals. Every decade has a diff- something different. You you know. The 70s, we were getting gas by whether we had an even or odd number at the end of our license plate because gas was rationed. You know, the 80s, Craig lived with that with the very high interest rates on houses, 16%. My first house I bought had 12.5% interest, and I thought I was getting a deal. Uh, <laughs> you, know, um, you, know, the, you know, the 90s, every decade has some something that makes you have to adjust and you got to adjust and you got to learn and happiness is, is different. My, my life is very different now than it was when I was raising kids. You know, I call them and ask them how to fix my computer instead of them asking me how to do algebra. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just different. It's just different. Um, but what's what's interesting is that you consistently are a massive top producer. I mean, you're, in the top percentile of all real estate agents in the entire country, right? You, you, yep. you make significant six figures every year and yep. you're a phenomenal agent, right? So that doesn't change, but the reasons why it's do change, right? Like, so what, what is the, let's fast forward. Let's, let's take a rewind to five years ago. Okay. Versus to today. 
your income level was very similar, but, but your reasons why are different. Like, so what, what are some reasons why, like, why do you continue to produce at the level you produce right now? You've got your house, you've got your vacations, you've got, I mean, you can look at you and say boxes are checked. It's good. He's done. He's made millions over his career. So what's the happiness drive for you right now? Um, I like money. No, uh, no, that's good. <laughs> I like money, but, but you know, it's not just the money. I mean, I truly do really enjoy helping the younger agents, um, keeping Craig out of jail. Um, you know, I was very, very lucky when I got into real estate, I had a really good mentor and, and helped me through it. And, and I was one of those people, I know I have to check this box, but, why am I checking it? I need to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. And, um, and that's a lot of the questions I get today from the good agents. It's, I know I got to do this, but why am I doing it? I don't, can you explain to me why this is happening? And real estate is like chess. You have to think three moves down the board. You know, you have, you have to understand if something happens here, it's going to affect Two, two moves down, and what are those two moves? And a lot of that, Jeff, you and I just, it happens because we're experienced. We know if X happens, Y might happen too. So, you know, you get to know that. But, you know, I, I could probably make a hell of a lot more money than I am if I didn't do the, manager job, the manager's job. But that was one of the reasons why I left Cobalt Banker, because I didn't have that I didn't have that avenue that I could do. And I knew I could have that avenue at, at, at Beggins. Um, I, I, you know, I, when I met Craig, uh, it, it was funny, Jeff, when you interviewed me, my first time I met Craig was at Topgolf. You invited me to the, to the Topgolf event. And, you know, I went there and, um, and I listened to Craig's talk and I'm like, and I'm looking around and I'm like, we do this once a quarter because I'm doing my job. This is, this is kind of cool. <laughs> I, I, if, the, if the boss is inviting me to lunch, I'm certainly going to honor him and go to it. You know, so uh, and it's out. It, do I have to sometimes rearrange my schedule? Yes. It is an award for me, but I think it's also a little bit out of respect for Craig that he's doing this. I mean, it's, it, it, it is, um, if you've never been with another broker, you, Jeff, you and I've had that talk. Uh, here you go, buddy. Thanks for selling $10 million. Here's your, here's your uh, rubber chicken and mashed potatoes. And thanks for coming. Um, plaque, yep. Yeah. Your little plaque, plastic plaque. Um, it's a different, it's a different feeling. I, you know, I, um, any major agent in, in, in this, in this uh, area is getting bombarded by people wanting to recruit them. And that's no surprise because Mike does the same thing, okay? So that's not a surprise, but it's like, you know, they, they don't realize I'm also the sales manager for the office. So they don't, you know, they only see my production figures. So um, it, it, it is, um, it's, you know, it's rewarding. It, I, I enjoy doing it. I hope I can do it until I'm 75. 
You know, you know what that I was think a is really answer cool? to a happiness question. <laughs> What's that? Was that? I'm sorry. Was that too long? No, no. no. I said, he asked you about your happiness thing a couple minutes ago, and we finally found out what it is. You know what? It, you know what's cool about that, Craig? Though, the, when he first started going through his background, the first passion, right? The, go back to it. The first drive, the first job. What he really wanted to do was what? Teach. Teach. Right, and he loves. I mean, Joe, you're one of the most giving people I know. Right, and you love the. You, you hit a couple things there. You love teaching, and you had a great mentor, which kind of catalysted was a catalyst for you to have an amazingly successful career. Right, and so from a, a teacher mindset, from an empathetic mindset to your giving nature, right, the drive is yeah, it's great to make nice, nice money, but it's also really cool to mentor others to show them how to make a nice living. And, you know, the office you're in with our South Tampa office, an amazing asset from the management team. In that office, we've got a ton of people that are in the top, 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 top in the country making unbelievable incomes. And that, I know that feels good to you to be able to help them through these questions and these got a minute. So I think it's the contribution. And Mike, I think you see this kind of common thread through all the top agents that, that enter onto the Happy Agent podcast. It's, it's something more than themselves. It's giving back. It's helping. It's, it's being that mentor. It's being that guide to, to let them to do it. Because, guys, we have it. I mean, our whole philosophy of a company is help, right? You never have to worry about money if you help enough people get to the goals that they want. And I think you're a great example of – and you, you're living proof of that. So that's what I, I want to just commend you for being well, um, awesome. It, it starts with income for almost everyone, right? Because we're all we're – all, listen – the reality is everyone works to create income and wealth to some degree, right? That wealth, mm -hmm. that income may be different for every single person. Gold may be different, all that, but it all, it usually starts that way. But the common thread amongst all of the successful agents, especially the ones that even the five so far we've had on this podcast have, there's really one common thread. And that is when they reach that level and they realize, okay, I've made money but what's that next evolution for me? And almost all of them have given up the potential income, more potential income to do something else that they really enjoy. Right. And that's the, mm -hmm. that's really, for me, that's the thing, right? That's when you get to that point and, and Joe hit it, I could make more money. Right. But at some point money becomes not the driver, right? At some point, it's got to be something else. And the, if you don't evolve that, if you don't figure out what that something else is, you're gonna you're gonna struggle a little bit, at least mentally. And so that's a big common thread: is at some point in your career, you've got to beyond money, right? And we, it's okay for it to be money. Like everyone's like, "Oh, I feel bad." Say, so, no, it's okay. It should be money. You need money, right? But at some point, the money is just a catalyst to something else. And if you're willing to literally tell yourself, you know what, I could go make another hundred grand, but I'd rather do this and mean it to the point where you're literally giving up that income to go do that. That's when you really find what you really enjoy doing, which I think for you has been that mentorship, that coaching, that managing, that helping others achieve their dreams and their income level. So um, you know, and that, that thing is different for everyone, but I think that's, if you're listening, watching, that's really the takeaway with almost every single one of our top agents. The, the thing, the thing is with, with real estate, well, oh, there you go. The thing is with real estate is no 
two deals are alike. They're not, they're different. They're, and with the younger agents, they get a little overwhelmed. They, 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 they don't know. We can't teach them everything in a class that they're going to get, they're going to hit. It's just impossible. I can't, I couldn't sit in the, in the room, the conference room and, and give enough classes for them to do it. But to be a calming, to be a calming force and walking them through it and helping them. um, That's, that's, that's a good thing. I mean, and sometimes some of the stuff, it's not the transaction. They're having problems with the other agent. It's not the actual transaction they're having. They're, they're having problems with the other agent on the other line. They, the other agent doesn't understand the contract or, you know, or doesn't know how to control the transaction. I mean, a lot of that. And it's teaching them calmly what they, how the transaction has to go. I think you nailed it earlier, Joe, when you said this is a true chess game when you're always playing a few steps in advance. The, the challenge is when you have people in this industry that are playing checkers, right? And yeah. they're thinking about yeah. this, just this one move. I mean, everything right. is the next couple of steps, right? Mm-hmm. But unless you've already seen those other couple steps, you, you don't can't know. guide them. You just don't know. So that's, that's the issue. That, and and the, one of the biggest challenges I see in the industry right now is most of the brokers, right, have gotten into this business after 08 and 09. And they don't know about the next steps ahead because they never had to because, frankly, it's been a pretty cushy ride, right, since 08, 09, 10. You know, you don't have to work that hard. You have to do a good job, but it's not been a, a, a big financial burden and market struggle, right? There hasn't been one. So the good thing for everybody sitting here from our perspective and from your perspective, you've lived it, breathed it, done it. You know what happens. You know if it keeps going or something else happens. You, you know how to do short sales. You know what REOs look like. You know how to hold people's hands and tell them to calm down and freak out. And you know the repercussions of pricing things improperly and doing knee-jerk reactions when you can calm your clients down and say, sit back, relax. This is not a financial crisis. This is a simple health crisis, and we're going to get through it. And because you see what happens on the other end of that experience from a, an agent to a client perspective, from a manager to an agent perspective, from a brokerage to a manager agent perspective, I think is, is very much overlooked and underappreciated, especially in times like this and a very changing market. It's an industry yeah. that's going through major changes right now. One, one of the biggest things when I'm working with agents is, is getting to understand that they have to set the expectation for the client, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm available from eight to eight, you know, I'm, you know, here's my hours I work here, you know, here's different, you know, setting, setting just small expectations because I tell them in the absence of setting an expectation, the client will set it for you. All right. If you, yep. if you don't kind of say, this is how we work, you know, that's why like when I, when I send out my letters, so like, Hey, this is how we buy a house. You need to be pre-approved first. Then we go look at houses and then we, you know, there's a step. And, and you know what? I learned that because I've gotten burnt years, years ago by taking somebody out and then finding out that they couldn't buy a banana on credit, you know? So uh, uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things that is really, really important. And it's, and it's getting the newer agents to understand that their time is money. It's not free. You know, you, when, when you spend time with a client, you're investing. 
It's an investment of your time for an end return. All right. And, but if there's no end return, you've not invested, you've wasted. And that's, they're two different parameters. Now in December, if I want to take a gamble and I don't have anything else to do and I want to say, Oh, let's see, you know, I'm not busy. I'll go take this person out and they don't have a pre-approval. So I said no to going to the beach for the day and I'm just driving this client around who can't buy a house. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, but I, when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. That's just the way it works. So let, to be let, smart wanna, with it. I want to peel back something that I think a lot of people might have missed when you were just saying that one that I think is, is a key determining factor to your success. You work towards the end result. Okay. But to most people, the end result is a closing. To you, the end result is selling their kids a house. Right. Right. And right. that's the major difference, right? Yeah. That is the, that's the long-term thinking here. This, the end result is the, the future cash flow valuation of that client, but not because it's about the money. It's because you actually care and you right. actually take it personally because I know you because you're passionate about this business. If people yeah. don't use you, you feel bad because they didn't get the level of expertise that they should have, they, they, they deserve. Right. And for some reason they, they chose not to, and it was in their, not in their best interest to not use you. Right. So it's not about the money ever with you. I know that for sure. Right. But it's right. about, they know, you know, that you're the best choice to, to guide them through this transaction. And, and I think that's a big determining factor. And a lot of it is understanding your value. And, and we talk about that all the time, Jeff, in your train, in our trainings, we talk about value. What is our value? Uh, you know, we made a whole video, what our value is for a listing right? And it's a wonderful, we need to hire that voiceover guy because he was really good. Um, but I recently got a referral. It was an incoming broker to broker referral. And they had a they had, they had their house on, on the market. This is November. They weren't getting any, any lead, anybody doing it. And, and, and they just didn't like the realtors. So they ended up coming in, they fired the other guy and I came in and I sat down with them with a listing presentation and I went over, you know, this is what he does. This is what, you know, this is what corporate does. Now, this is what Joe does. This is up and beyond what to get to your house, get your house sold. I call it my sizzle. This is me. This is what you get that you're not getting anywhere else. Because you don't sell the steak, which is the sign on the front lawn. You sell the sizzle. And that's everything else behind you that you're doing. The Facebook that Mike has taught us, um, you know, the, the postcards, whatever else that you're doing, that's your sizzle. And when I got done, the, the seller said to me, well, how much do you charge commission? And I said, we charge 3% to market your house then you and I can decide how much we're going to pay the other broker. And he goes, you're going to do all of this for 3%? Which kind of made me feel happy because I wowed him enough. He goes, the other guy didn't do anything. And he was charging me two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah. So value. what is, what is the value proposition? And, and, and that's kind of, where you got to do to set your marketing. I love it. I mean, those are tidbits that a lot of people don't think about because they're not thinking about the next steps on there. So 
I know. I mean, it what I love easier, I think as you get more experience, you know, we were talking this morning that it takes a compelling reason to do something that like real estate, right? There's a lot of things that go into it. It's, there's some hard knocks that come with it too. Right. But the second part that goes with that is a belief that you can't. And as you gain the experience now with hundreds of customers, past customers in your database, you have to to worry about belief that I can right now. And I think you've been invaluable helping the newer agents in the company believe that they can because they got your back behind it. So that's a, that's a shout out. What I, what I try to always tell them is you can sell Jim Jones what Jim Jones buys if you can see Jim Jones through Jim Jones' eyes. So basically put yourself in that buyer's shoes. What is it if you were standing in would you expect? What is it you would expect from, from your agent? And see, try to put yourself in his feet. When, when they arrive from out of town, how are you greeting them? What, how have you prepared the day for them? Um, you know, is it organized? <laughs> you know, do they have children? Did you stick some waters and granola bars in your, in your cooler, in your trunk, so in case, you know, Somebody gets cool. I mean, it's just little things, but it does. It, it does. Just think a little bit about how you would want to be treated as a, as a buyer is basically what, what that says. But you can sell him anything. It doesn't matter whether it's real estate or bowling balls. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just it's seeing trust. The, it's the trust, yes. And, and trying to put yourself in his shoes and what, and what, and what they'll want and, and what they need. And knowing that they have fears, they have doubts, they have anxieties, it's relocating their family and their kids and new friends. And, you know, and you may overlook the granola bar and the bottle of water, but that that's, that's shows you care that you thought about them, that you actually understand. I mean, that's those little things are the things that just solidify you in their brain as, you know, this guy is not after a commission check. He actually understands our position and he's showing us the playgrounds. Right. He's talking right. to us about where the bike trail is because he, he listened and knows that I like to ride my bike. Right. These are the things that, that just galvanize you to your customers. And we could see it over and over, Craig. I mean, look at the testimonials we see from Joe. They're, there's, they're stellar on this one. So that's I, just. I've trans, I, I've relocated myself four times in life for, for corporate. And it's like you're being parachuted in and you have no idea where you are or what's close or in anything. So it's, it's, putting yourself, I just remember back, I got promoted to Poughkeepsie, New York, and I didn't even know where Poughkeepsie was. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I had to drive there and, and, and meet up with somebody and, you know, and then figure out if I'm actually going to move my family there, you know, wife and two kids. I mean, it was very stressful. And it is very stressful for these people. And if you can if you can make it easy for them, if you can calm some of the anxiety, and a lot of that is, is educating them of what's, what's the next move, what's coming next, what, you know, what, what it is that they're going to need, then, then it helps them. And that's kind of like, you know, I've developed all those letters that I send out. It's, it's, it's in stages to help them calm them down. Yeah. When you're playing the chess game with them, knowing that, that here's the fear you're going to have two weeks from now, and I know it's coming. And so a week from now, I'm going to send you this because I know you're about to feel this. And that just oh, again shows that you care. I, I have a letter that goes out to them with 
uh, I call it the congratulations letter it has all the, all the important dates on it, you know, and, and all that. And I have learned with my clients before I call them on the phone and tell them that they have gotten the deal. I fill out that whole email and why I'm on, why I'm talking to them on the phone. I hit send <laughs> because they're going to, I said, I've just sent you an email with all the important dates you know, and everything we're going to be doing for the next two weeks. I want you to read through it and I'll call you back later today and we can discuss it because now all of a sudden they're thinking about 15 other things like moving trucks and everything else. And I need them to absorb the fact that they got the house and that, and then you can read the letter. And then in the calmness of the storm, I can, I can talk to them about inspections and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's just, you just have to, again, put yourself in their shoes of what empathy. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. Yep. Empathy. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I love your story. And I think that you are a great example for agents. You really are. And we're proud to have you on the team. And I think that this was full of nuggets of information about how to really, really take care of your clients. I think that's a great summary of what it is. So, I mean, from my perspective, you know, we, we love having you on board with our team um, as an agent and as more importantly as a, in a management team from a mentor perspective and just bringing your knowledge to everybody out there. So thank you for all you do for us. Well, You're welcome. Welcome. It's, it's agents like you, Joe, that aren't going to be replaced by the Internet. No, no. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, I love to see that when, you know, when something goes sideways, how they're going to handle that. But and it's hard to believe it's been four years, so thanks, guys, for keeping me around. Wow. <laughs> you know, I was, one of the things I was, gonna, I was thinking for a second is you're just turning 65. You've got another 20 years plus that you can be playing this game because it's not about the money. I mean, what are you going to do? You can only play with the Orchids so many hours a week, right? Uh, my so, husband will be is forty eight. I'm not sitting home making cookies. So, no. <laughs> but th but think about this. And I, I think as a parting thought for you, think about the forty five year old version of you, and how much you've grown and accomplished and and just knocked down over the last twenty years from forty five to sixty five. You got an entire another one of those runs, which is so cool, right? And just for fun. And so that's why the primary aims and the vision boards and all the other stuff that you're doing is like, okay, where's the next cruise? Where's right. the next investment property? Where's the next something? I mean, it, it's a chess game for you to get to the point where you can just have all this funding flowing around to accomplish what you will want to do. So I'm we enjoying were, watching the ride. I was talking to, I was talking to Otis yesterday and we were talking about uh, DISC and I, and, and I said, you know, I've, becomes, you know, your dad does, your dad does the, the course, but I've had, you know, they, I've had that for 17, 18 years now of learning that and, and mastering it. And I said to Otis, if I had had this training when I was 22 in sales, I would have sold twice as much as what I did. I mean, you know, when, when I was selling at 22 and 20, I don't know what I was doing. I was, you know, no <laughs> clue, but had I had that, you know, that little bit of knowledge of how to, how to decipher someone else's personality and, and, and react to it, um, it's fundamental. I mean, that's just sales. It's just learning, you know, how to, you know, 
hey, I got a, I got a high C in the car. I'm printing out a copy of the contract ahead of time. I'll let them read it. <laughs> you know, sure. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just knowing that person, what you're going to deal with. Um, come on, dude, you got to sign the contract. We've got we're fourth offer, four offers, and they want to make a decision, and you can't take two days to read the contract. So, right. you know, I mean, it's it's knowing that, and and well, that goes back to chess because you noticed from the original inbound email that he asked a lot of detailed technical questions, so you were prepared, and it wasn't the granola bar; it was the contract, right? That right. you know he was going to appreciate the most. So, there's the value right. that experience brings, and good right. mentorship and leadership does. So. Right. Well, thank you guys. This has been great. Joe, You're thank welcome. you for taking thank time. You. you know how busy you are with everything. And um, we appreciate all that you do. And thanks for yeah. imparting your knowledge on our group here. Here's, here's the files I'm working on right now. What's that? Can't keep a good man down. Um, Close one yet. I've got four more to close this month, so that's that pile. And I think another three or four scheduled for June so so far. So, yep. Love it. Thanks for your time, Joe. Uh, Thank you, sir. Really you enjoyed this one. Full of great Thanks, content. Thank, Thank you, guys. Mike. Thank you, Craig. Bye. Thanks, Thank Mike. you.